Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at Life. Share your prayer requests or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. You may be seated. Thank you, Peter, for very kind words. I genuinely consider it an honour and a privilege. I love coming here and, and to those of you, and every time I walk in, there's so many of you give me such a warm welcome. And for those of you that don't, therapy takes care of that. And uh, everybody say, I don't want to hear everybody say again. <laughs> Um, I thought that must become part of the new liturgy for, uh, for the church, but um, yeah. I was uh, just blessed to in praise and worship this morning. One of the things that blessed me enormously was just as I was on the end of the front row there and just looked across at that screen at one point, and out of the corner of my eye, I just see this row of young men at the front with their hands raised praising God. And I think, oh man, that, that, yeah, I reckon that, that's worth thanking God for. Um, and so you guys inspired me this morning. I thought it was just wonderful to see. You don't often see that. There's a whole row of, of young men. Um, it's all got, there's no girls in that row, isn't there? I just, <laughs> um, just they're worshipping God. That's, that's the future. And uh, in fact, if we don't have those kind of uh, scenarios happening in the life of the church, then, um, then uh, we don't have a long-term future. And... Uh, because there's a rumor going around that we're all getting older, apparently. No, I, I no, I don't believe it, Andrew. Um, mind you, reflecting on the you know the 19 years, almost 20 years. Next year, almost it's May next year, isn't it? That we will be 20 years since we started the church. And uh, you know, as I say, I love coming down here, but but I was just thinking, you know, when I started coming down here, I had more hair. I had no grey. I was like, this thing's taken a toll on me. I've got to tell you. No, only joking. <laughs> How many of you remember, some of you are old enough, and a good number of you are old enough to remember, September 1983 in the America's Cup. Yeah, give me a wave. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, you, Andrew? No, you don't. <laughs> Uh, for those of you that don't know and for the many of you that do remember, it was kind of one of those iconic moments in Australian sporting history. You know, I'd never had re any real interest in sailing, but this particular event captured the imagination and the heart of Australia. And, of course, in that 12-metre sailing competition that uh, America had always won and Australia was 3-1 down in the series and came back to win at 4-3. And I remember getting up uh, for the final race. Um, we were on holidays, uh, young kids, we were on holidays at Perigian Beach in the Sunshine Coast. And I got up at 3 a.m. to watch this race. And, and of course, some of you will remember that um, it was kind of out of that and associated with that that the Men at Work song, um, Colin Hayes' song, uh, sorry? Down under. Oh, Down Under. Yeah, Land Down Under. I come from a Land Down Under became almost iconic uh, uh, through, through that. Our Prime Minister at the time, um, Bob Hawke, had had a few too many, but he was pretty excited. 
uh, gave everybody a public holiday, <laughs> which was pr pretty awesome. Um, the interesting thing about that was that, that uh, they said, and there's been debate over the years whether it was true, but what gave the Australian yacht, Australia to the edge, was the winged keel designed by Ben Lexon. The boat was skipped by John Bertrand, but the winged keel designed by, by Ben Lexon. And which, you know, the Americans tried to have it banned and all sorts of things. And, but that gave them the winning edge. That enabled them to, to conquer. And um, with that kind of thought in mind, you know, let me just give you a couple of scriptures and then I want to, in a few moments, get into a story from the Old Testament and just get to think about a couple of things. Romans 8.37, uh, the writer says that in all things, all the challenges that life throws at us. How many of you have found life throws a few challenges at you? Uh, yeah, okay, for, the, for everybody else, God bless you. Um, please come and pray for us. Um, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Yeah, through him who loved us. Philippians chapter 4.13 says, I can do most things. Yeah, I can do all things. Everybody, no, don't. <laughs> so if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a Christian, what is it that makes you different? What is it that gives you the edge um, to live life differently to someone who is not a follower of Jesus, someone who is not a believer? What is it that gives you, if we use the term, the, the edge that, you know, as a Christian, what is it that enables you to be effective in life, to be effective for God? What is it that makes you different to just anybody else? Not that we are better in ourselves, but I want to say to you, and suggest to you, well, it's not a suggestion, we know it's Jesus who lives in us. Paul said, it's no longer I who lives. But it's Christ who lives in me. I love the Passion Translation goes on. I love this thought. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me, dispensing his life into mine. I love that thought. Dispensing his life into mine. And of course, that has to do with the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Next Sunday, I think, is Pentecost Sunday. Uh, it's... And, and it's his power, it's his ability, it's his enabling, it's his, his presence, it's his touch, his anointing. We, we can't really do anything of real value for God without his touch, be it in our own individual lives or be it corporately as a church. Uh, life is more than just having great ability and great education. These things are important. It's more than talent. A church, for a church, even corporately, it's more than just great organization and great leadership and facilities and great programs. At the end of the day, I want to suggest to you this morning that ultimately what makes the difference is the God factor. It's God. That's the only thing that distinguishes us. And the presence of Jesus Christ in your life and in my life should give us the edge to live life better and effectively, and powerfully. And with that analogy, if you like, and thought about the edge, I want to take you to an interesting little story in the Old Testament. 
there is this like a Bible school. It was a school of the prophets. And uh, they were, these guys are living together and, and Elisha is their mentor, their instructor, their teacher. And in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1, uh, they come to him and it reads like this. The, the company of the prophets said to Elisha, look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let's go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole uh, and let us build a place there for us to live. And he said, go. And one of them said, won't you please come with us? I will, Elisha replied. And he went with them. And they went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. It wasn't northern Tasmania, okay? It was just, yeah. So he went to cut down trees. And as one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh, my Lord, he cried out, it was borrowed. The man of God asked, where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. And then the man reached out his hand and took it. Wow. Many years ago, there's a story of a young man who uh, signed up with a logging crew to cut timber many, many years ago. And, and uh, the foreman of the, the crew asked him for, to demonstrate his ability with the axe. And he... Uh, Showed, cut down a, some timber in no time and the foreman hired him and, and uh, you can start Monday, he said. So Monday came and the young man, young man was sent out with a crew of veteran uh, uh, loggers and, uh, and he worked hard and uh, he was doing well. Monday, Tuesday rolled by, Wednesday. Thursday afternoon, the foreman called him in and uh, told him to pick up his paycheck. He, paycheck, he was being let go. And the young man was somewhat embarrassed and puzzled. He said, I, I, I don't understand. He said, I, I thought I was doing okay. He said, you were, the foreman said, you were at first. In fact, our charts show that uh, on Monday, you actually fell the most timber. You cut the most timber. But by Wednesday afternoon, you had dropped way, way down. You were way behind even the lowest in the team. But the young man said, I don't understand. I, I, I worked hard. I arrived first. I leave last. Um, I've even worked through my, my smoko, my coffee break. And then the foreman asked him a telling question. He said, uh, have you been sharpening your axe? To which the young man replied, I was working too hard to take time. And the foreman then explained the difference between working hard and working smart and pointed out that the sharpness of the edge is incredibly important as much as the strength of your swing. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 10 actually says that. It says, if the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed. How many of you have ever cut timber with an axe? Wow, a lot of you, mostly women. Um, <laughs> Uh, as a kid growing up, country town, and we had a wood-fired stove and hot water system and all that stuff. So one of my tasks as a kid was to, every afternoon, cut, cut the wood, cut the timber. And I learned quickly the value, particularly if you're cutting iron bark and some of that stuff, which can be really tough, really hard timber to cut through. And I learned early on the value and the importance of keeping the edge sharp. 
Because if that edge got dull, oh my goodness, you had to swing so much harder. It took so much more effort. It took so long. And I want to say to you this morning that without the presence of God and his touch real in our lives, I'm not talking about going through the motions of our Christian life and doing all the obligatory things that we feel we should do. That's, that's fine and that's important. But without the dynamic reality, how many of you know at the end of the day, this whole thing of being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus is about a relationship. It's actually about a relationship with him. And through that, the power of the Holy Spirit invades our lives and puts, if you like, the cutting edge on our lives and on our spiritual life. And to be honest, trying to be effective for God without that becomes exhausting. And the strength of our own swing and our own effort can't do it. So I just want to make a couple of points from this this story, a number of points which relate to the cutting edge in your life. Um. By the way, back in the day, we're told, obviously, we discovered that this guy, we don't know whether they only had one axe. Axes were not common. It was not, you couldn't just go down to Bunnings and buy a new axe back in the day. Um, So they were very valuable. And uh, the man using the axe has borrowed it. And, of course, as he begins to swing, as he's cutting down the timber, The axe head flies off. The first thing that's interesting to discover about the cutting edge is that, in this case, it wasn't his own. It was borrowed. And I want to say that, for us, what gives us the cutting edge in our life, it's actually not our own. It's a gift. It's the gift of God to our lives, of his presence, his power, through, we know, our faith in Jesus who gave his life for us. It's not our ability or our strength. It's God's gift. Uh, It's his anointing. It's his ability. Without him, the scripture says, we can do... Mm. I'd like to say, everybody say, nothing. Without him, we can do... Well, that's a strong statement, isn't it? When you think about it. But the truth is that when it comes to... God's ultimate goal to touch people's lives with his love and his grace and his mercy and transform their lives, we can only be, we sang it this morning, we can only be vessels in his hand. It's his power that transforms. It's his power that changes people's lives. It's, it's not us. It's borrowed. The next thing, of course, it, we realize from this story is that It's possible to lose the edge. It's possible to lose it. As he's chopping away, the axe head flies off and the thing that enabled him to be effective was gone. He'd lost it. Maybe he could have tried to act like nothing had happened. I mean, you keep swinging swinging away but how many of you know and I, literally I can remember as a kid on one occasion the wedges worked loose in the head of the axe and literally the the blade did come off the head of the axe did come off um, and you ain't going to do a thing with a handle <laughs> and uh, and that's what's happened to this guy he's lost it and uh, maybe he could have kept swinging away 
I want to say to you this morning, sometimes in the course of our journeying with God, and even in the process of serving Him, sometimes we lose the cutting edge. Sometimes we lose... And and that can be sometimes the whole axe head can fly off. Sometimes it just gets dull. It just gets dull. And the life that was once effective loses its effectiveness. The, The areas of ministry or serving that once enthused us and were once a joy flowed so naturally, become burdensome, seem so difficult, seem so impossible. No longer, we no longer achieve what we once did and we lose our joy and we've, we've lost the edge. And unlike, I'm sure, this guy, he, di- he didn't keep swinging the axe handle, but sometimes we do. Sometimes we keep going through the motions. We, we keep going through the motions, but we've, we've lost the edge or the edge has gotten so dull or, as I said, sometimes the entire axe head has come off and... This guy, obviously, he immediately knew he had lost it and he immediately acknowledged, he cried out, I've lost it. Now, sometimes we don't realise we've lost it because it's a gradual process. As I said, maybe sometimes it's just gotten dull. Maybe sometimes the axe head has flown off. I think one of the most tragic verses, it's difficult, I think it's challenging when we don't realise, when we lack self-awareness. In life, self-awareness is one of the greatest attributes you can have. And sometimes in our spiritual life, we, we lose self-awareness. We're not aware. We don't take stock. And I think one of the most tragic verses in the Bible concerns Samson. And many of you would know the story of Samson, whom God has used mightily, but he's, he's not wise. He's not smart with some stuff. And, and he's playing games we know with Delilah and, and uh, he, there's a secret to his incredible strength which was his hair, the length of his hair and, uh, and he gave all sorts of, oh no, if you tie me up with these sorts of ropes or if you do this, that'll take my strength away and of course he played games with it and then one day he actually just did disclose the secret and, and the tragic verse is, you know, and she called out, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he woke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as I did before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, he, he never leaves us or forsakes us. We know that. But how many of you know that the dynamic reality of the edge of his presence and his touch on our lives can go? we lose it and he didn't know Philistine seized him gouged out his eyes took him down to Gaza bound him with bronze shackles and they set him to grinding in the prison and when you lose the edge I tell you life can get like grinding in the prison and around and around you go like around in the mill grinding mill so he's lost it cries out he acknowledges the fact that he's lost it and Elisha calls out to Elisha and uh, asks for help. If you're ever going to get anything, you've got to acknowledge your need. Be aware of it and acknowledge it. So Elisha asks him to identify, where did you lose it? Where did you lose it? 
And if you've lost the edge of your life, if you've lost the axe head or if you, the axe, where, where did you lose it? At what point did you lose it? And that's not a judgment or a condemnation. It's just about identifying because, oh man, I've been there many times. In fact, I was recently just challenged again in my own life about my intimacy with Jesus. Because it's so easy when you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time and you know all the stuff and it's easy. There's so many things that can blunt the edge. And I've had moments, I've got to say, during my, in the journey of my life where I reckon that the whole axe head's come off. I remember one time, I was about 30, I think, and if I look back now, it was probably a measure of burnout. I had a tough year and... I honestly didn't want to go to church. We took some holidays. I'm a pastor. Not a good thing when you're a pastor and you don't want to go to church. Um, Took some holidays and we go away for three weeks, have a good break and that was wonderful. And my wife wanted to go to church on holidays. Can you believe that? And I put up an argument, but that was soon shot down. So I went to church. I, in fact, I went to, it was back, this is back many, many years ago. This was in the earlier days of Kings. And uh, I made sure, it wasn't an AOG, ACC church back in those days. It is now, Kings on the Gold Coast. We lived in Brisbane at the time. And, and uh, I just made sure that we arrived a little bit late. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Sitting in the second back row were all the backslide. Oh, I'm sorry, no, I didn't mean that. Sitting in the second back row, and during the praise and worship, it's like I just did not, I didn't feel like engaging. I think I was a bit ticked off with God, even. I don't know, I was just not, a, there was stuff going on, and I just wasn't, wasn't happy, and didn't, had a, maybe an issue with God, and didn't feel like even praising. You ever been there? Don't put your hand up right now. And, uh, it's funny, hey. The second song they sang, and the presence of God just hit me. It's like the grace of God, the goodness of God. The second song, and I'm I'm standing there as as they're singing, and I began to sing, and then tears began to run down my face as the touch of God just touched my heart and touched my soul again, and and in that instant brought a restoration to my, to my soul. It's interesting because Jesus actually says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, if you're, you're weary and heavy laden, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. And he goes on to talk about rest for your soul, for your soul. It's, fun, it's a funny thing about the presence of God. I was 18 and um, had, when I was 17 and a half, moved from the Sunshine Coast where my parents' family lived and moved to Brisbane to work and, and uh, was going to church, was involved in the music team and, but it was going through a bit of stuff and started to go to a few parties and, and I remember this one Saturday night going to this party and and I didn't do a lot of bad stuff, you know, but 
remember, it had a good time, but I remember coming home that night and I got back to where I was boarding and it was just this emptiness. I'd actually had a good time, but it was empty. I just felt empty. Next morning, I went to church and again, and I still remember this so clearly, it's like, Something about being in the presence of God. I felt like, ah, I'm home. And I think it's because, in fact, that's what it is meant to be for us. In every human heart, we're meant to be home with God. That's, that's our home. That's our place of dwelling in, in the presence and with the presence of God. We were created for him. And if we're not in that space, then there will be an emptiness I mean, we're, we do, even when we are, we go through challenges and battles and difficult times and Jesus said we would. And there's so many things that obviously can, you know, you go back to where you lost it. What was it? Sometimes we just get too busy and over, you know, distracted by the stuff of life. Sometimes we, Sometimes we may be doing the wrong thing. Sometimes it's lack of fellowship. I mean, there's any number of things that can contribute to us losing the edge. It's interesting, you know, the analogy of a coal in the fire. You ever taken a coal out of the fire? It's hot and glowing red. You take it out and in no time it's gone black and lost its warmth and life. You, put it, you pick up that same dead coal and you put it back amongst all the other coals and within a moment and within a minute it's, it's glowing red again. Fellowship. Don't ever misunderstand the power of being together. And I mean, there's so many things that can cause us to lose the edge, unforgiveness, hurt, discouragement. But if you're not sure where you lost it, if you've lost it, then ask the Holy Spirit to help show you. In the story, we discover that, um, fourth point, God makes a way. God makes a way and gives a key for restoring what was lost. God's a God of restoration. And when you want the cutting edge on your life restored, when you desire the touch of God, when you want the presence of God to be renewed in your life and refreshed in your life, the goodness and the grace of God will always provide a way. Because he's always got open arms. Again, Jesus said, you're tired, you're weary, you're heavy, like, come, come to me. In this case, in this story, miracle happens. Elisha cuts a stick, throws it in to the spot where the axe head had disappeared and God does a miracle and the iron axe head floats to the surface. <laughs> Amazing. And for you, the key to restoring the edge on your life Maybe the Holy Spirit just speaking to your heart right now. That's a key. And that's no less a miracle, to be honest. That the God of heaven, the creator of the universe, would, would speak into your heart and challenge you and stir your heart. It may be something that someone says that is a key that challenges you or stirs your spirit. Maybe a prophetic word. It may be reading the word, maybe in prayer. Maybe a song, like I said, my experience all those years ago was in a song. In the presence of God just touched my heart fresh. Final point in this little story was that, um, funny thing, so the axe head is floating there. 
but he had to pick it up. Elisha says to him, reach out and pick it up. And it's almost like the goodness of God is there for every one of us. But you have got to pick it up. You have got to reach out. You have got to, and there's a window, and I think in this story, obviously, it's a river, there would be current, water's flowing, this thing is not going to stay there forever. And there are moments of opportunity that God gives us to respond to him. And you've got to reach out and lay hold of that. And so much is dependent upon our response. God provides a way, he provides a key, but we've got to seize the moment and pick it up for ourselves. So, and our response is always key, always key. I wonder if Abe, if you would just come and think, oh, just as I was saying, he nearly tripped getting out of the row, which reminded me of a story, but we won't go there. Um, <laughs> so how about you this morning? How's the edge on your life? How's the edge on your life this morning? Has serving God, even just living life and following Jesus become drearisome and burdensome and tough and hard and you've lost your joy? You've lost the freshness of that relationship, the simplicity of just being in His presence, knowing His presence, His touch. Maybe some major stuff's happened and you've lost the entire axe head. Been there. But there's a fresh touch available, I want to tell you. And I want to say to you now that, in fact, across the church, not just this church, but across the church in our nation, and I think in parts of the world, but certainly I know in our nation, there's a fresh wind of the Spirit. Something fresh happening. I'm excited about what God is going to do in this next season. I really am. I just, I've walked into churches over the last six months and where there's been people praying, and I see a growing, rising tide of prayer and desire to touch God and a desire for the manifest presence of God in, in churches and in people's lives and where people are pressing into that. God is turning up. God's turning up. You know, I believe in this next season, and I've said, said this here, as the dark dust and it gets darker, and it is in the world around us. It's a crazy world. But the light gets lighter. And uh, I was talking to Beck yesterday, Beck Hasman, about the... I haven't actually had a chance to go and see the movie Jesus Revolution. How many of you have seen that? Oh, wow. Man, as a young person who kind of was in that era, the early 70s, you know, and through, through that, through the 70s, that Jesus revelation, man, because there was so much stuff in the culture of the day, free love and drugs, there was so much stuff that was just destructive and people were buying into it massively. It's a bit like we see today with wokeness, some different things, but it's not dissimilar. And in the middle of that, God pours out His Spirit. And there is a massive move and thousands and thousands and thousands of young people come to Jesus. 
lives changed and transformed. I believe we're going to see it again. Hallelujah. Believe we're going to see it again. We need to see it again. In fact, Jesus is the only answer. As Andre Crouch used to sing, Jesus is the answer for the world today. That's true. But what about you this morning? Has the edge in your life? Would you just stand with me? I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you this morning. Don't let the demands of life and the drain that comes with all of that rob you of the sharpness. Take time to sharpen the edge. If you've got to get the axe head back, get it back. God will provide a miracle. But right in this moment, I want to just encourage you Take this moment with you and God. First thing, acknowledge if you need to that you've lost it or that it's you're dull. The edge is dull. And say, Jesus, I need a fresh touch. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and touch us afresh this morning. And if if that's you this morning, you just want a fresh touch from God wherever you're at, why don't you... Just we've, we've seen this morning about stretching out hands and reaching hands. And why don't you just hold your hands out as a sign, that sign of surrender to Him this morning. If you just want a fresh touch of God this morning, just hold your hands, reach your hands out to Him or hold them open before Him this morning. And that's not magic in itself, but it's, it's indicative of a response on our heart. God, you see every heart, every person in this house, in this place this morning. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you would come as only you can come and touch hearts with your love and your grace. I pray you'd restore the cutting edge where there is weariness of soul, you would give rest. Let there be an infusion of your life, of your touch. I pray let people have fresh encounters with you. Fresh encounters with your presence, not just this morning, but even this week. As we make a decision, God, I want to be closer to you. I want the edge back on my life. God, let there be encounters with your presence this week as we take time to sharpen the edge so that we in turn can be effective for you, I pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen.